Welcome to the Highly Sensitive Healing Podcast, where we meet the joys and challenges of our sensitivity with open minds and hearts to awaken our best highly sensitive selves. Welcome, my highly sensitive friends. In our next two episodes, I'm chatting with Britta Verkauter and Amber McCormick about parenting as HSPs. It's a wonderful, honest conversation that covers many of the ups and downs of parenting from an HSP perspective. So let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I'd like to welcome back Britta and Amber to the Highly Sensitive Healing Podcast. And today we are talking about parenting as a highly sensitive person. Welcome, Britta. Hi, so good to be here. Welcome, Amber. Hi, I'm so glad to be here with both of you today. I'm so happy to talk to you both about this topic. I know it's important for a lot of highly sensitive people, and I'm really interested personally, and I know a lot of people listening will be interested to hear about how you manage parenting as highly sensitive people. So let's just start off by asking, did you always want to be a parent? How about you, Britta? Um, yeah, I, I've always felt this, um, yeah, I, I've always felt like I wanted to be a mom <laughs> and at a certain point in my twenties, I had like set myself this goal of, okay, I want to have kids before I'm third. Yeah. Before I turn 30, um, because I didn't want to be in, I don't know, maybe it sounds wrong to say it that way, but I didn't want to be a very old mom. I wanted to be a young mom so I could keep up with my kids. Um, And yeah, I managed. I had my first, uh, my son was born the year I, no, I think I was still 29. So I made it. (laughs) But yeah, I was, I was, I was feeling like I was already getting older and I didn't want the kids to suffer from having an old mom. So, but just, so always, just, just energy wise. Yeah. Just energy wise. And I just, in a way, I'm glad I waited until I was almost 30 because it gave me a chance to really enjoy my twenties. Um, but I've always known I wanted to have kids. There was no question about it. How about you, Amber? Did you always want to be a parent? Yeah, this is a, an interesting question. Cause I, I definitely had, parts of me that really always did want to be a parent. And then there are other parts of me that were scared of being a parent because I grew up in a a family system that wasn't very healthy. And, you know, it was very important to me to break some of those cycles. And so not knowing, um, knowing what I didn't want to do, but not knowing what I wanted to do made it a very scary endeavor to think about. And so I went through phases of my life being like, I'm never having kids. And then I went through other phases where I was like, I'm absolutely going to be a mom. And, um, you know, in hindsight, looking back, I, I, um, I know that, um, it's such a fundamental part of who I am. Even when I was a professor, I was so maternal to my students. And so I, when I realized that, you know, I knew that it was definitely an experience that I wanted to have as part of my life and something that was part of who I was or who I am. And, um, you know, I used to think that I wanted two kids. I always said, I want two kids. I wanted a boy and a girl, if we could pick them. <laughs> um, but I have, uh, I have one son and um, actually just like you, Britta, he was born just before I turned 30. So he, so I was 29 when I had him. And, um, and now, you know, my, my mantra is kind of one and done. I love him dearly. Um, but recognizing my sensitivity, I think one is perfect for me. <laughs> Yeah. And that, so that's a, my next question. Did you, did you know that you were quote, a highly sensitive person? Did you know that term? Um, So did you know you were sensitive when you were going to be a mom and either way um, did that factor into how you prepared to be a parent? not just deciding that you wanted to be a parent, but then once you became pregnant and you knew that you were going to be a parent, did your sensitivity or knowing that you were highly sensitive play into that at all? Uh, Britta? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, I was also actually still thinking about what Amber just said about yeah. parts of her that wanted to be a mom and then other parts 
um, not wanting to be a mom because of her experiences as a child or family situations. And that's actually one of the things that I remember now that coming to think of it, being in the kind of situation that I was growing up with a single mom who had a really tough time, I've always felt like, oh my God, I want to do it differently. That's, that was a very strong uh, feeling I've always had. Like, okay, I, I want to have kids and I want to make sure that they don't have to go through what I went through. And I want to make sure that they have two parents growing up and not just one. So I was always very, very clear about that. And um, being an HSP, I've always known, I've always felt different. I don't really know if I had learned about the term HSP when I, when I got pregnant. I think I did, but it wasn't, I wasn't really into this, uh, like the discovering phase back then. It was, I don't know, my mind was filled with other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have always known that I was different and I had certain anxieties that maybe did trigger like, oh my God, what, what will this mean if I get pregnant? Oh my God. Will I feel sick? What, what will it do to my body? Or what will it do with my hormones? How will I be feeling? And so all this ruminating. Um, and then in terms of preparation, especially as an HSP, I, I, I thought when I was pregnant with my first, so I have two kids, but w- with my son, I thought I was prepared. But then once he was born and you're in this first phase I wasn't prepared at all. There's, I feel there's no way you can really prepare yourself for motherhood and what it does to your body and what it does to, to not be able to sleep a whole night through because these kids need to be fed 24 seven. And there's, especially as an HSP needing time to yourself, needing time to process, there is no time, no time. Mm-hmm for processing. There is only time to feed the kid and do diapers and maybe get a little bit of sleep here and there. But it's sometimes people say like, oh, congratulations and enjoy these first months. And I'm like, are you (laughs) kidding me? Enjoy? When are you enjoying this? It's not fun. (laughs) And that sounds horrible, but it is how I felt. I was like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? It's honest, right? It is. It is the truth. I can't hide it. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I I just want to back you up on that, Britta. Um, I think that's one of the worst things that is so common in our society is people coming up to moms and saying things like, oh, my gosh, you must feel, you know, you must be so happy. You must be so excited. Um, Little bundle oh, of joy. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's, <laughs> oh, enjoy the time. It goes so fast. And it's like, no, I mean, yes, to a point, but also I don't care what you say. Cleaning up like a blowout at two o'clock in the morning after nursing and being exhausted, like I'm not enjoying that. And there's nothing you can say that's going to make me want to exactly. like, feel good about that. And that's okay. Um, but it does when people say these things, it just imposes shame. And I think especially on uh, first-time parents or um, parents of newborns, they are so much more susceptible to that, um, which I know we'll talk about guilt later, um, but it just brings up so much of that because we, it's not all enjoyable. And I think we should be more honest about it. And um, when I was pregnant, actually, I had a friend say that to me. I just started hitting the point of not feeling well. And um, I remember she said to me, um, yeah, being pregnant sucks, doesn't it? And I like, it stopped me dead in my tracks. And I was like, (laughs) you can say that she just said that to me. She's like, nobody tells you this part of it, you know? And, and it wasn't all of my pregnancy wasn't awful. Actually, after I was sick for the first half of my pregnancy, um, more, so it was, I was pretty sick. It was more than just the first trimester, but once I was past the sickness, I actually enjoyed being pregnant until I was at the point of like, just, you know, get the kid out of me, you know, the last couple of weeks, but, um, for the most part, I enjoyed it. Um, so it is pleasurable, but there's also parts of it that aren't. And, um, I think it's just important for people to remember that. So, um, but to get back to your question, Tanya, um, for me, I, um, 
I figured out that I was highly sensitive probably a year or two before I became pregnant. Mm. And um, I had a really good cognitive understanding of high sensitivity. Um, But because of some of the dynamics in my life, I didn't really understand. And it's just because of the energetics of what we feel in our bodies until certain things weren't in my life anymore. I couldn't feel the difference of some of that um, quiet or peace or, you know, just different, different aspects of things that contribute to, um, to our nervous systems. And I guess, you know, in hindsight, I would say, even though I cognitively very much understood high sensitivity, I didn't understand the true impact to me that high, high sensitivity had in a very energetic, um, deep level, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, and the, the dynamics of how we, how we're living, right. Our relationships, our environment, all of that plays into it. And then just, I would imagine being pregnant and being a parent just kind of takes that other, uh, that other stuff. If you're in an environment that maybe needs to change, it just kind of takes that up to another level. Yeah. And I think for me, it was, um, you know, I hadn't experienced life without certain aspects of what was going on. Um, and so until those were gone, then I could feel the difference. And that's when I was like, oh, okay. So I can now feel this difference. And then as other things would come in and out, you know, whether it was not being able to sleep or baby crying all the time, or, you know, all of the, you know, getting a break and then getting back thrown back into it. I started to feel the difference between, um, you know, that quiet baseline that I hadn't known before. And now motherhood, which is probably never quiet. (laughs) (laughs) So, so what kinds of things as an HSP mom, I'm sure there's the list is probably quite long, but what kinds of things cause you to feel overstimulated as an HSP parent? And, and how do you, how do you manage that overstimulation? Kind of what steps do you, do you take to prevent it as much as you're able to, of course, how about you, Britta? Yeah, I think, um, well, like, like Amber just touched upon is a big thing is the noise. (laughs) I, uh, especially when a baby with the crying, you know, you, you, you can't stop a baby from crying. <laughs> they're going to cry. And then sometimes there's a reason for it. Maybe they're hungry or there's something else going on. And then you can do something to stop the crying. But that's not always the case. Sometimes they just cry. Um, I remember our son, he had this episode of weeks or even months that at a certain timing, every night, he started crying for no obvious reason. You know, he was well-fed. There was nothing wrong. No diapers needed to be changed, but still. And apparently that's, that's one of the things that some babies go through. It's like this, okay, something that's, that's not unusual for babies to do. Like a baby alarm. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Is it, is it maybe because they're processing something or I, I don't know exactly what's going on, but okay. So that, and I, re- I remember my husband, he, he's not an HSP, but even he had this, like this sound blocking microphone or uh, like headphones, not microphones, headphones that he would wear when he was like drilling or doing like noisy work outside. And he would put that thing on his head to shut out the noise. Uh, and he wasn't even HSP. So imagine how I felt without the thing. So even now when the kids are getting older, I sometimes use a headphone or something to put in my ears. So you're still hearing it and you're still present, but it's not as, as loud. It's like muffled uh, or muted a little yeah, bit. It's, it's, it takes it's the edge muted. off. Yes. It takes the edge off. That's, that's, that's a good way to put it. Um, and it helps. And then uh, there are certain times when the both of them are like really, I don't know, like bouncy, bouncing balls going up against <laughs> each other, making a lot of noise, going from one room into the other, running around screaming. And those are the times that I feel like, oh, my God, I can't deal with this. Stop. <laughs> and and they're like, what? We're just playing. And and it is. It's, it's just me. They're just having fun. And I'm the only one bothered by it, apparently. <clears throat> 
So sometimes when I'm working, I'm like, guys, stop, please stop this madness. But then other times I'm like, okay, they just need to get that energy out, you know? And then either I send them outside to go play and they can run around in the yard and that's so much more peaceful for me. Or I put on my headphones or I, yeah. It's not always possible. You can't turn these kids off and on whenever you like it, you know? So you have to find ways to to handle it. And sometimes it works out well. And other times I end up losing my mind. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just all part of it. And you just deal with it the best way you can, I think. How about you, Amber? Yeah, I, I mean, I resonated with everything Britta just said. So um, just uh, repeat some of that and then <laughs> add to it. Um, yeah, I think one of the things for me is, you know, it's the, the, the crying or the um, when they're really little or um, like whining, the like high pitched whining will just send my nervous system instantly just crazy. I just can't, um, you know, any of that kind of noise or the just sometimes um, the constant talking, the, the fact that there's not, and it's just, <laughs> medium, um, and it's like, um, <laughs> this is going to sound, this sounds, I did this kind of, for, he didn't know I was doing this, but one night he was talking so much. I actually took my cell phone out and the timer to see how long of a pause of quiet I could get in between stuff, you know, just cause I was curious. I, I don't think we made it more than like 15 seconds. And that was like the <laughs> longest one. And so it's that constant <laughs> talking and they want to engage. And, and so what's tricky is when it's an emotional response, that's loud, or it's this, I want to talk. I want to be seen. I want to be heard. You know, I, it's so important to me that he feels seen and validated and heard and all of those things. Yeah. And I can't show up that way when my system is completely overwhelmed. And so it's always this balancing act. And so um, I always try to communicate that with him. Um, I think he is probably also highly sensitive. Um, and it's interesting. I'm a, um, a high sensation seeking HSP. Uh, so an HSS, HSP. And I think he's the same, but our sensitivities and our high sensation seeking are not the same. And so just noticing what triggers my body and my nervous system um, and then just figuring out solutions. So usually I will acknowledge him in some way, um, you know, like, like whining is a big one for me. Um, and it is truly hard to understand a kid's words, especially a young kid when they're whining. And so I will tell him, you know, I'll first acknowledge his existence and that I care about him. And then I'll kind of set that boundary. So I'll say something like, Hey buddy, I really want to hear what you're saying. And mama can't understand whining. Can you, can you wait until you calm down a little bit? And then, you know, tell me, because I want to hear what you have to say. And it's taken me a long time to find these words, but as I find them, you know, I kind of package them and keep them in my back pocket. And I say the same thing every time. So I'm not on the spot trying to, I'm not overstimulated and trying to figure out what to say. I can just kind of go to that. And then it's consistent for him. And so he knows now when he's whining, he's not going to get what he wants until he can talk to me more calmly. And um, so that's a big one. And then um, I, the other one is kind of similar to what Britta was saying about, you know, the, the jumping and the crashing and the, he is a very high energy boy and uh, he loves superheroes and ninja stuff. And he's always <laughs> jumping on furniture and play fighting, or, you know, he likes the rough play and that, the rough play doesn't work for me uh, because of the sensitivity of my, my system. So, you know, I also try to have conversations with him around, around that stuff or find other solutions. Um, one thing he does is he, he moves his feet in this way, almost like if you're like drumming your fingers, like, like one at a, like thumping them, you know, um, but he does it with his toes and he like pushes his feet. And I could feel him do this before he was born into my ribs. And so now <laughs> he's on the outside and he's still at six years old. He still does this and will lay on the couch and watch a movie or something. And he will still do this with his feet into me. 
but I can still remember feeling it in my ribs and it, I can't, I just, I can't. So I will, you know, have them turn around and say like, Hey, bud, why don't we snuggle? And you can, you know, I have like rubber bands that he can like really big ones that are designed for it that he can do, or he can do it into a pillow. Right. But I set those boundaries that he can't do it to me um, because it's just, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be good for either of us. So, um, so setting a lot of boundaries and um, like Britta said, you know, the headphones, like bringing whatever you can do to minimize that stimulation um, is huge. And then I also just um, sometimes I just have to take some space. And so that can be a little tricky as a single parent. Um, but, you know, I just will find something that he likes to do and get him set up with it, you know, and sometimes that means screen time goes out the window that day. And it's like, cool, you get an extra whatever play Xbox. And I will go find a quiet spot where I can take some deep breaths or listen to some soothing music or stretch or just get a couple minutes of peace so I can recharge and get through the rest of that day. I think all that is really helpful. Did you have anything else you wanted to add, Britta? Yeah, I'm thinking I, I do like what you say about also making sure that they're heard and seen, that they don't mm-hmm. have to suffer. That's that's one of the big things for me too, that I don't want my kids to suffer because I have sensitivities and I don't expect them to tiptoe around me because of it. I do expect that they respect me and I respect them. And, and whenever I feel like, okay, I just, I just, it was just too much for me at that time. And maybe I yelled at one of them um, because I was just so overstimulated. I will always go back to them and apologize and say like, you know, okay, mommy was wrong to yell because I'm teaching them not to yell. And then I'm yelling. So what an example is that? But I also show them like, you can make it right. It's okay to make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes, but you can make it right afterwards. So I talk to them and I explain it to them. I I get to their level. You know, I don't talk from way up there, like the big mom, I I get down on my knees or, and, and I talk to them and say like, you know, mommy wasn't very nice to you just now. I shouldn't have yelled, but you know, I'm, I was just a little overstimulated, you know, mommy doesn't handle all the noise very well. And they know, (laughs) they know. Um, And then I just talk to them about it because they're, they're, they're kids, but they're also little adults. They, they understand so much more than, than we would give them credit for sometimes. So I just talk to them about it and, and make them feel part of our community and, and that they are seen and heard. And it's not because they're kids that they're, that they're not important or what they feel or say doesn't mean anything on the contrary. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge for kids. That's huge. Yeah. Um, I want to echo some of that too, Britta, because that's, I, I do the same thing also, but I think what you just described is also, you know, us showing up in that way is so helpful for, for them. Um, You know, when we're, when we're setting boundaries with them, we're teaching them by example you know, that whole thing about you don't expect them to tiptoe around your sensitivity, but um, you want them to respect you. You know, I have the same mentality with my son and having that is teaching him how to respect other people and how to expect to be respected by other people. Yeah. And same thing with the, you know, getting down on their level and apologizing and having them be part of it. It's teaching them such healthy interpersonal dynamics that you can't really teach without the experiential piece. And, and I think that's so important. And the, the humanness of apologizing to our kids, you know, teaches them that we don't have to be perfect. Um, And as HSPs, you know, that being so conscientious, you know, we can be really hard on ourselves. So I think, you know, through that, we can really instill a lot of good values and practices and belief systems at a very young age that are hard to teach and uh, much harder to pull into your life as an adult if you've learned the opposite first. Yes, for sure. How do you handle the unpredictability of parenting as highly sensitive moms? Amber? Um, this is a good one. So the big, gosh, you know, life is so unpredictable anyways, if we haven't, you know, what we've learned in the last couple of years living through a pandemic, you know, it's been 
been tricky, but I think for me, you know, being creative as HSPs, just the way our brains are wired, we're more creative um, in general, typically. And when I say creative, I don't necessarily mean art. I mean, we process deeply and we can make connections that are different than maybe, um, you know, the majority of the population might, the way they might put things together. And so using that creativity to find solutions that work, um, letting go of any of those shoulds, like, oh, they shouldn't, they should only have this many hours of screen time. I'm not a big screen time mom. Um, I, I see the impact of it on him um, if he has too much screen time, but I'm also, I've learned, I was not this way when I first had him. I've also learned to accept that giving, being more flexible and understanding that, you know, a little extra screen time today, if it's going to make certain things go a lot easier, is going to be less detrimental than digging my feet in and saying, no, this is a hard rule and we can't do it. And it's probably going to set the day up for more hardship, which could be worse for him in the long run. So I think just finding creative solutions, um, and balance, letting go of those shoulds. Um, it's just, and I think giving ourselves grace, that's the other piece, um, because we can't plan for everything. And if we try to, it's going to be exhausting. So just kind of learning to go with the flow and be flexible, which can be hard when, when that, um, unpredictability can be really jarring. Right. So, um, just, and sometimes it takes me taking a moment to myself and saying, okay, you know, a little self-compassion, like this is hard. I can figure it out, you know, but giving myself a moment to just feel it and be like, okay, now what can I do about it and go on from there? Um, yeah, it can be tricky. What do you think, Britta? How do you handle the unpredictability? Um, it really depends. And, and well, my son's turning 10 this year, so I've already had a lot of time to practice. Um, and sometimes <laughs> I do it really well. And other times I get so overstimulated. Um, and it also depends if, if I have other responsibilities. So, for example, in, in I'm, I'm married. My husband is traveling a lot. Um, so a couple of years ago, I was... Uh, my husband was traveling a lot. So I had my husband on weekends at home, but during the week I was working a corporate job and I had the two kids who are, who were still young and often get sick. So they couldn't go to school and such. And, and those were the moments where I sometimes felt really torn between, okay, but I need to get to work. You know, people are waiting in the office. I've got meetings planned. People are expecting things from me. But then there was this little person who's sick, who's not feeling well. And the only thing in the world that he needs right now or wants is his mom. And then you're like, crap. <laughs> okay, this doesn't feel good because you know you have to do this and you know you have to do that. And those two things don't mix. So what, what do you choose as a mom? But also I'm... I'm let's say ambitious. I'm not cut out to be a work, uh, stay at home mom. I really want to work. I want to use my brain. I want to do other stuff except being a mom. So it's, it's really this, this inner struggle, like, oh my God. Okay. So what to do now? And then you end up coming up with creative ways to handle it. Like, okay, you have no choice. You have to keep your kid home from school. And okay, you'll manage to work online from home and, and get some stuff done. But then you end up in online meetings with this screaming child <laughs> sitting on your lap, which is not really what other people are enjoying. Um, so it, it brings up, those are the times that I get stressed. If you want to get me stressed, give me kids, issues with kids and issues with work. And that's it. Um, and then you have to be creative, but now having, having my own business, it's, it's better because I can, I get to schedule my own, uh, days and, and it's easier because the only one I have to, um, be responsible to, or how do you say that in English? I'm not sure if I find the right words, but the only person that you need to take into account is your family and then 
maybe people that you're working with, but you're the boss, you're in charge and you know that you might not be able to do it right now to get the job done or to do whatever. Um, but you will maybe when the kids are off to bed and that gives a lot more freedom and flexibility to, to manage all of these different things that get thrown onto your plate in the day-to-day life as a, as an HSP parent who's working, who has to manage all these different things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. <laughs> and, and what you, what you were really touching the edge of, I think Britta is, um, you know, that our culture here in the States is not set up for parents, you know, um, and our society is also really not set up for HSPs. And so we've got a little bit of a double whammy there. Um, oh. But I know, you know, all the parents that I know, struggle with this, you know, these corporate world, you know, expectations, you know, if you're working for anybody but yourself, the expectations that are there that are unreasonable, and the double standards that are expected, especially of moms, I think, yeah. um, to be when you're at work, you're not a mom. And when you're a mom, you're not at work and and that these things are separate. And yet you're supposed to be all or nothing all the time. And and that's just not reasonable or healthy. Yeah. Um, and so navigating that is really challenging. And I think it's something that um, I think the I think it might be a silver lining of the pandemic is I think it's starting to highlight some of those issues in our society. Um, because really, it, it, one person can't do everything. And oh. that's a lesson I learned often, uh, as I try to try to do everything, but, um, you know, it's, it's just, that's so tricky. And then you throw the unpredictability into it too. And the last place we need our energy going to is feeling bad because we're taking care of our kid and we were 15 minutes late to work or something say, you know, like, um, that balance of priorities of the jobs getting done. And there's so much energy that gets wasted into things that really don't matter um, because at the end of the day, the job's still getting done and nobody's negatively impacted. But for some reason, if you're not working for yourself, there tends to be a whole lot of that. There are great companies out there to work for that. um, I have heard some people share that they work for wonderful companies that are more understanding, but I think I hear from more people that experience the lack of understanding. Yeah, like you said, Amber, it's it's the culture that we that we live in and the pandemic definitely brought a lot of things to the surface that were that were simmering for a really long time. But now things now people, oh, you know, the pandemic is waning or whatever and so they, you know, people want to switch back to the way things were and we really have to I think voices like yours and Britta and just HSPs in general is where our voices really need to start getting louder about, no, it doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to go back to the way it was. We can make these changes that are, that are better for, for everyone. So uh, what are some of the pros and cons of being um, entrepreneurs, HSP entrepreneurs and moms as well? Amber, do you have some pros and cons? Yeah. So Britta mentioned some of it already, you know, the flexibility, um, which is really helpful uh, with, you know, school, school schedules, or, you know, when you have a sick kid. Um, For me, I'm very similar to what Britta said. I, I didn't want to be a stay at home mom, but also part of me felt called to be a stay at home mom, which was interesting too. Um, And so part of what I like about being an entrepreneur and working for myself is I can be not a stay-at-home mom in that sense, right? During the day when he's at school, I can work, I can, but I can set my schedule to what works for me and I can be ready when he gets off the bus to then be present with him. Um, And so that's really special for me. Um, I would say on the con side, you know, it's when you work for yourself, it's harder to leave work at work. Um, And I always have so many ideas that things are always swirling in my head. It can be really hard to put it down and step away. Um, and there's really no sick days or leave like you get with um, a corporate job. Granted, 
there's a lot of guilt that comes along with taking the sick leave uh, at a corporate job. But, you know, um, back in January, we got hit with COVID and, you know, I was down for like a month, which meant my business came to a screeching halt because it's just me. Um, There was nobody to step in, pick up the pieces, keep the ball rolling. And so there are some challenges on that front, but in general, I would say, you know, it gives me the flexibility that I need to take care of myself in a better way. And um, then also to be able to be more present with him. And, um, and as he gets older, you know, I expect sporting events or concerts and all that stuff. And so it'll give me some more flexibility so I can really be present and show up. And so that way he knows he, he matters and um, all that good stuff. How about you, Britta? Do you have some pros and cons besides the one yeah. you've already mentioned? Yeah. So for me, the flexibility is really a re- one of the most important pros for sure. Um, not only for, for the kids, so I can drop them off at school, pick them up from school, um, make sure that, that if they forget something and, and that already happened so that I, I drop them off at school and then I get home. By the time I get home, I have an email in my inbox waiting for me from the teacher, like, oops, uh, so-and-so <laughs> forgot his Chromebook. Uh, would you mind bringing it over? Sure. I don't have anything else to do. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and you just drive over and then, then that's another half hour, but I don't mind, you know, I rather spend that half hour and make sure that my kid's happy and she's she's not feeling bad because she forgot her Chromebook at home so that those are the little things that you can do and that you can and and I remember that that actually happened by the way and and when I brought the Chromebook to my daughter she was like that made her day she was like oh thank you mommy (laughs) those are the little things that that you can do as as a as a parent, being your own boss, <laughs> I couldn't imagine working somewhere, I don't know, in a corporate and then, oh, oops, uh, I'll be back in an hour because I have to drop off something at school. I, I wonder what, what they would say, like, are you crazy? We're going into a meeting right now. But yeah, anyway, it's it's the little things that you can you can do to to make your kids' lives so much more enjoyable and to really show and be present for every little step. Um, we get, I, I get to arrange my days around, around their days, around their schedule. So when they come home from school, there's time to play. We can go for a walk. There's some time to go outside. So there's, there's so many possibilities. I can, I can, I have the freedom to help them with their homework. They come home from school. We can do it together. I can help them. And and they like that. Um, Another thing is, so yeah, the the flexibility for sure. And then one of the cons is what Amber said about the balance or the boundary between work and life. My computer, my work is part of my life and a big part of my life. So it's, it's, constantly present it's not like I can shut the door and say like okay bye it's weekend I'll see you on Monday it's it's always there it's always lingering like hello (laughs) I'm here (laughs) and and that's something I need to remind myself of almost on a daily basis it's like okay there's a time to start and there's a a time to stop and and that's okay you know tomorrow's another day um and I I Sometimes I do struggle with that because there's this one more thing I just want to finish real quick, or there's one email, or I just want to check out this, or I want to try that. And and then the kids come up to me like, oh, mom, can we play a game? And I'm like, in a minute, in a minute. But then there's that mommy guilt, you know, like saying, you're a bad mom. You should be playing with the kids. What are you doing? <laughs> and then, it, yeah, it's not always easy to to set the right priorities, but it's, it's, it's a continuous work in, in progress, I suppose. And, and some days it's easier and some days it's, it's harder to, to pull the plug on, on work and just be mom and be present. And I think that's, that's one of the things that I'm struggling the most with right now, really saying, okay, stop work, work days, work days done ends now (laughs) and it's it's all about just family life 
for the rest of the day. I feel that so much, Britta. <laughs> Sorry? I feel that so much. Yeah, it's, and it's I tricky. Think when, when you're working for yourself, you just, what you're doing is your passion, right? So I struggle with that too. Um, it's less of a struggle when I'm working for somebody else because it's easier to be like, well, you know, I enjoy that, but meh, I think I'm good for now. Time for a break. Yeah. Which, when you love it so much, it's so hard. So you're, yeah, you're not alone in that. Yeah, I feel that too. It's, it's, I really love what I do and I really, I, I'm very passionate about my mission and, and, and what I'm trying to do. So when I'm, when I'm in my zone and I'm working, it doesn't feel like work. It's like, it's, it's so much more than work and, and hours fly by so easily and you don't, you don't even realize you don't keep track. It's like, Oh my God, the day's done. I have to get my kids. And I wanted to do so many other things. So it's hard to put that break on yourself and say like, whoop, time's up for today. Pack <laughs> up. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, that's definitely, well, a con pro and a con it's, it's, it's a double edged sword. Um, but it's something to be mindful of for sure. So let's, let's talk about, you brought it up, Britta guilt. So let's, let's explore that for a little bit <laughs> and, and, Tell us a little bit about feelings of guilt as, as an HSP mom and um, how does guilt kind of factor into parenting as an HSP and, and how do you manage it? Um, well, I, I shouldn't be saying this, but it sucks. You can it say really whatever does. you want. You it say really what's sucks. true for you. I think <laughs> guilt and the mommy guilt has been like this, how do you say that in English? Like this golden thread throughout the entire journey. You get a kid and you should be happy and you're not. Or you have a kid and you're working and then the kid gets sick and you're not showing up for work and you feel guilty and you're maybe not very nice to your kid because you feel like, oh, I have to go to work and you're making me stay at home and I don't want to be here. And you're guilty because you're feeling that way <laughs> or other things. You know, sometimes you you get overstimulated and then you yell. And then five minutes later, it's like, oh, my God, what did, did I? Oh, I just yelled. OK, this is not good. <laughs> and you go apologize. So it's this. And I know if. I can speak for I can't speak for dads because I'm obviously not a dad. But I don't know if it's even worse for moms. This this constant guilt of feeling torn or feeling you have to choose between your kids' needs and your own needs. Or especially in, in my case, having my own business and having this goal and ambition and things that means there's less time to spend with my kids is that a bad thing should I feel guilty about it or what I try to do is when I am with my kids I really try to make it quality time so it's not about the quantity because I'm also doing other things but when I am with them and we're playing or we're making fun together uh, or having fun together I try to be present so that they really feel like, okay, mommy's here. Mommy's playing with us. We're doing something. It's, it's just us, you know? Um, that's, that's one of the things that I really try to, to make sure that they feel that. Um, and I also like to make, I don't know if it's really making up for guilt, but I really like to surprise them or make, make their life fun in creative ways. And it can be, it can be really silly things like playing, playing a silly game or, or coming up with, um, for example, for, for Halloween, I felt really guilty for not being able to go on Halloween trick or treating because of COVID there wasn't anyone putting anything out there. So there wasn't the point, but then I, I created this scavenger hunt inside of the house. So I draw, I drew I don't know, spooky stuff. <laughs> and then I, I set candles and then we turned down out all of the lights inside of the house. So there were only candle lights and it was really spooky. Oh, and then my fun. husband, my <laughs> husband and I, we, we hid ourselves. He was in, in a bedroom upstairs and I was inside a closet and then they had to come and find us. And there were like clues hidden everywhere. 
<laughs> and they had the time of their life. It was like, oh, can we do this every year? <laughs> that's But, awesome. So, you know, this, this just, and I think that's maybe also one of the things that Amber said about being creative. It's like coming up with these kind of unorthodox solutions to make their lives so much more fun, you know, to, to, to make sure that they have an enjoyable childhood. And it's way beyond feeling guilty. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> no, we, that's why you're here to share your experiences, to help other people who are HSP parents who are maybe looking for some ideas or just to feel validated. Yeah. How about you, Amber? Do you struggle with guilt as an HSP mom? Oh gosh. I don't think I've ever talked to a mom HSP or not who doesn't <laughs> struggle with guilt. And, um, you know, I imagine it's, um, I hate to gender it, you know, kind of like Britta was saying, I think, um, probably everybody feels, feels it in some way. It's just different. Um, our culture has different expectations for us based on, um, perceived gender. So, you know, I think that can be tricky. So it's like kind of whatever you're dealing with, but it comes in different forms. And, um, you know, for me, I think, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, um, how I wanted to be a mom, right. But I wanted to do right by him. And I, I wanted to break the cycles of what I was raised in. And, um, the phrase that I always heard was like, I don't want to mess him up. Right. Like I have this little person and, and I do think of him, I think that's probably one of the biggest things for me in raising my son is I've never really looked at him as like a baby or a kid. Like I think of him as a little person because he is and his skills are just at different levels. And so just being age appropriate. And so having this little person who's relying on me and wanting to be the best guide that I can be for him, um, you know, but we can also take that a little too far that, that conscious, our conscientious conscientiousness that we have um and the deep processing right so gosh like the the littlest thing sometimes that really doesn't even matter right that deep processing can really make it bigger than it is and so um if we're not mindful of it it can really really take over and so um you know i think One of the things that I have to remember is as an HSP, I'm already doing so much that's good for my son without knowing it just by the nature of who I am. And that took me a long time to have the courage and the like self-confidence to say, um, but it's true. And I think anybody who's asking themselves these questions or, or doing any sort of research like this, like you are the parent who is caring and wanting to do best. And that already means that you're not, it's very unlikely that you're doing any long-term harm. Right. And so I have to remind myself of that, um, and kind of keeping, keeping things in check, like the perfectionism. Um, so early on, I did a lot of research on attachment and development and, you know, all the things to like set your kids up for success from like, um, a mental health standpoint. And, you know, I, I, took it too far for a long time because I was so afraid of the, like the slightest thing. If I didn't respond perfectly, that he was going to be scarred for life. And, and that's just not true. Kids are very resilient. Um, and so remembering that, and also if his life is perfect, how's he going to learn, right? If he's not seeing me make mistakes and own up to them, if he's not, um, seeing me try and do different things and set boundaries and like all of that is still teaching them. So When I start to feel really guilty, um, I try to come back to that. Um, and the biggest sign for me, both for myself and when I'm working with clients, is the word should. So if you're hearing yourself say, oh, I feel bad because I should be blah, 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 blah. That, that should is an excellent moment to pause and ask yourself, is that true? Like, why? Is it really? Can you do something different? Can you let go of it? You know? that's always a red flag for me to explore what's going on internally or around me and, and get creative. And, um, I think the, so there's a couple of things that I come back to as like my little internal mantras that help me get through the parent guilt. 
because it's always going to be there. Right. And I'm not when I say this stuff, like it's still it still creeps in. I still question regularly if I'm, you know, a good mom or a good enough mom, you know, like we always have those things. But um, but it's not like it used to be right. Like now I think it's just like the normal normal level. But um, I remind myself that I'm doing my best and that's all we can all do. Um, you know, and we all have our own journey. This is the biggest one for me with my son is he's on his own journey. Like I'm on my own journey and he's going to learn things through his life experiences. And that's not a bad thing. Um, and then the last part, because this always makes me laugh a little bit. I saw a meme at one, one point in time. So I remember, you know, he's, he's on his journey. He, his experiences are part of his lessons and, and his purpose. Um, and then I read this meme that was like, I don't want to make my, I, I don't want to mess my kids up enough to make them broken, but I want, I want to, I want to mess up as a parent enough to make them funny. And so I come back to that, right? Like, let him be funny um, because I can't do it perfectly and he's not going to have a perfect life. So when we go through these hardships, we often develop character and problem solving skills. And oftentimes it's the people who have been through a little bit of struggle, not bad struggle, but just struggle that they're funny. They have a good sense of humor. They know they're resilient. They know how to get through life. And so not take themselves too seriously. Yeah. So that's where I try to set the bar. I hope that makes sense. Like, no, it does. Like, I totally. know I'm not going to be perfect. So let me do a good enough job that he's not broken on the other side, um, <laughs> but he's got good character and, and good coping skills and a good sense of humor. No, that's all. That's all really great um, advice. And thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. I'm sure a lot of parents will resonate with what you've both have has what you both have said. In part two of our conversation, Britta and Amber share about empathy as an HSP parent, as well as the dynamics of being a married versus a single parent. You'll find links for Amber and Britta in the show notes. If you enjoy the Highly Sensitive Healing Podcast, please share it with friends and leave a review. Leaving a review is a huge help in getting these healing messages out to more HSPs who may find them useful. It only takes a couple of minutes and it'll be so appreciated. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the good stuff. And I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for spending time with me here on the Highly Sensitive Healing Podcast. New episodes are released Wednesdays, and please feel free to reach out with any questions or comments. And never forget, we were given this highly sensitive life because we're strong enough to live it.